Good to see everybody today. Welcome you. I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. It's been a good way to start the service today. Appreciate Brother Kevin leading us in singing. It's good to have all of you here if you're visiting with us uh, today. Uh, Or if you're, of course, a member of New Life Baptist Church, we're grateful to be here as the church. If you are visiting, we have a Connect card in the back, and we'd love to have a record of your attendance. And there's a pen there that you can take home with you as a gift from us. But you can fill that card out and just lay it on the back welcome table there, and we'll get that later on. Uh, We're also going to have the first Sunday fellowship meal today, and everybody's invited to that. So we do encourage everybody to come and take part there. Uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, at the end... At the end of our service today, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. So uh, this message and this reading this morning, though it is in the same section that we've been working from uh, in our study on spiritual gifts, we're going to really focus just on one phrase here in Romans chapter 12. If you've just come to join us as of late, we have been for the last several weeks been studying spiritual gifts. We've been in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 12 through 14, and then also in Romans 1, and working our way back here to Romans chapter 12. But uh, here in Romans 12, verse 5, I'll just read this one verse and then pray for us as we begin our study today. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, the word of the Lord says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Father, we come to you today as those who are just desperate for your grace. God, we can't do anything. We cannot do anything apart from Christ. We cannot bear any fruit apart, Lord, from abiding in the vine in Jesus. And Father, I confess that today, and I thank you for the way that you do supply for us, and how, God, you've given to your church um, gifts so that those gifts can be ministered among the body and lord as as we look to your word over these over this time period as we're studying the gifts the spiritual gifts and what your word says about it god i pray that that would shape us but lord today as we look at being a part of one body god i I ask you give us grace that we might only only hear the truth of your word And uh, Lord, I pray today that it would accomplish all that you intend for it to. Help me as I deliver it to your people. Give them grace that they may hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're looking at this today, um, a sermon entitled, One Body in Christ. And I just want to get get to the point here real quick with the first point that you have there on your handout is how do believers get into the one body. So in other words, how does a believer get into the body of Jesus Christ? And I hope that your mind goes back to something that we've already studied. I hope that it goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I went ahead and put that up on the screen for you. It's on your handout as well. But we see there in that verse that it says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're slave or free, we've been all made to drink into one spirit. So the way that we are into this global body, the church, the 
of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the way that we are in the church universally, globally, spiritually, is by the Spirit of God um, working in us to really sanctify us, set us apart unto Christ. Um, So that's the way that we get there into this body. And as we look into this further, the next question that we're going to go to is, number two is, how is it known who is in the one body? Is it because you go to church? Is it because you read your Bible? Is it because you, you know, wear a cross around your neck? How is it that we know who is a part of this one body? And that's why we look today at this subject that we're going to find here in the book of Romans. And the answer really is in water baptism. In water baptism, there are three, four things that I'm going to show you today. The four words that I'm going to give to you are not original with me. One of them, uh, I've altered, the, altered it a little bit. But um, the idea of uh, applying these words to water baptism is not original with me, but I've used to some of it. So I'll let you know that up front. But uh, go back in your Bibles, if you would, in Romans chapter 6. Because last week we saw some um, of Romans 12 in the first part where Paul is beseeching them by the mercies of God to present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And um, that's just their reasonable service. That's the rational thing to do. That's the thing to do. To, that's what makes sense uh, in light of their confession, in light of what they believe and what God has done to save them. That's what makes sense to do. And also, he tells them that not to be conformed, shaped to the world, but to be transformed, be changed by the renewing, the changing of your mind. And in doing that, we prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, Paul's writing to these Romans who were both Jews and Gentiles. And in, back in chapter 6, we see that he addresses something with them. Really, in these early chapters here, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about that regeneration, uh, a person being justified, you know, being made right with God. He's been declaring those things and talking about those things and how it's true for Jew and Gentile, no matter who you are, that the only way any person will be saved is through the gospel. It is through Faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only means of salvation for any person on the face of the earth. They will not be saved from the wrath of God in any other way but through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for our sins. That's it. There's the only, that's the only way. And leading up to chapter 6, Paul's really been dealing with this. And then we come here to chapter 6 and um, he really begins here to emphasize baptism. And I want to uh, work through this, and I'll just show you the first word here is confession. When it comes to water baptism, we are in that um, giving embodiment. We are giving action to our confession. We are giving action to what we believe what we, what we know, what we believe, and what we want to trust, what we want to commit ourselves to. In the waters of baptism, that's where that's happening. So there's a confession uh, that we see in our water baptism because it is aligning with what we say with our mouths. So if you look here in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, 
He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, there's a context coming from chapter 5, verse 20. It says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So, Paul doesn't want them to think that you can just continue in sin and grace will just abound. Because he here says to them, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then the answer is, number in verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? You see, that is what we believe when we've been saved. That is what we believed when we have received Christ as Savior, is that we have died to sin. And in the waters of baptism, we are saying there and demonstrating that we have died to sin as we are buried in the water and raised again from it. You see, it aligns with our confession that we say with our mouths in the waters of baptism. It is a public display confession of what we believe. In Hebrews chapter 10, you might want to write this reference down. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 and 23, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, he goes on to say, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In that water that we enter into, we are declaring what our hope is in and who our hope is in. Now, if you would, very quickly, take your Bibles and go back to the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 2, if you want to, you can write these references down as we peruse these um, chapters here in Acts. But we looked at this one last week, and we're thinking about confession, what we're saying when we are baptized, and how our baptism aligns with um, aligns with what we say. Now, I had a piece of paper in my Bible that had a definition of the Greek word baptizo, that it came from bapto, and had all the specifics of that, meaning to dip, immerse, plunge. But I baptized that in the water. It came out of my Bible when I was in the baptistry there earlier, so it's back there somewhere, so I can't read you the specific definition. But you know, it's something like that. I've heard, I know that you've heard that uh, before. That's what the word baptizo, Tizo, baptized, means is to be plunged, immersed into. It's like dyeing a garment, putting that into the dye and then pulling it back out. It is a transliteration of the, of the Greek word. It's not a translation of the Greek word. I've heard that King James, when the Bible was being translated, did not want that word to be translated because if it was translated, it would be translated to immerse. But that would not align with sprinkling uh, like they believed in and uh, then. So he said, just transliterate it. Do not translate it. And that's why we have the word baptize in the Bible. So uh, in Acts chapter 2, you remember last week that the men were cut to their heart in verse 37. They asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Peter responded in verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say who that promise is to in verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Nothing's changed in that message. To the, the, the preaching of the gospel today, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the preaching of that today is the same message that we're proclaiming to a lost world. Be saved from this perverse generation. Because just like then, today, our generation is perverse, it is crooked, it is not toward God, it is away from God, and we need to be saved from going into the flow of this world, and the only way that will happen is through the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So, he exhorts them in that way in verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. You see how they were baptized because they had gladly received the word. Now we'll keep going through this. In chapter 3, they are told to repent and be converted. We go to chapter 8 and we find here that the gospel goes to Samaria. Just as it was promised that it would in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Which by the way is a great outline for the entire book of Acts. As we see the gospel going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. That outlines what happens in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8 the gospel is preached here and they heed in verse 6. It says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And then you can jump over to verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then we see Simon the sorcerer as well was baptized. So it gave, it gave, uh, He gave action to what they believed. Then you go to the latter part of the chapter. We read this last Sunday night. But this is where the Ethiopian eunuch is going along and he's reading from Isaiah 53. And uh, Philip comes along because he was sent there by the Lord. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? And after uh, going there to Isaiah and preaching Christ preaching Jesus in verse 35 from the Scriptures, the eunuch in verse 36 said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? The preaching of Christ, the preaching of the Gospel, elicited from the eunuch that question, Here's water. What hinders me? In other words, here's water. What keeps me from giving this action to what I believe? That is that Christ is the Son of God, as he would state later. Then you go to chapter 9. Brother Seth read it this morning with the Apostle Paul. And how in verse 18, Ananias had gone to him. But in verse 18, the Scripture says, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. You see, it gives it gives expression to it. You go to chapter 10. Here we find Cornelius, the first Gentile who is converted. And by the way, as we go through the book of Acts, I hope you value it because um, the uh, Luke, the historian, is the most detailed of all histories 
when it comes to the early days of the church. You'll not go anywhere else and find more information than we find in the book of Acts about those early days of the church when the church was just in infancy and when they were going about and preaching the gospel. We find it in this wonderful book. Here at the end, after Peter had gone and preached the gospel to Cornelius, you um, remember that the Holy Spirit came upon them in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now notice what Peter says in verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now, very quickly, you might say, Well, that means we need to be speaking in tongues when we're saved, Pastor Eric. The reason those things happened then is to show that this is not two different movements. This is not two different churches. The Jews there at Pentecost spoke in tongues. The Gentiles here spoke in tongues. They received the Spirit. And it's the same church. It's the same Spirit putting us into one body, the body of Christ, whether you're Jew or Gentile, Jew or Greek. So they were baptized. Now we can continue to peruse these chapters a little bit further. And we go to chapter 16. Here in chapter 16, you know that Paul goes to Macedonia and he preaches the gospel there. And as he's at Philippi, a certain woman named Lydia heard him, uh, heard them preach the gospel. She was a seller, verse 14 of chapter 16. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. And notice what it says in verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us. So we see there that they all... Hearing the word of the Lord came to believe that and they followed the Lord in believers baptism. Then we go to that great story that we all know of. It's more than a story. It's an account of the Philippian jailer. You all know that, don't you? In the middle of the night, doors were opened. Earthquake came. Paul and Silas come out and the, the jailer, what, what do you want to do? He's about to do what? Anybody remember? Yeah, kill himself. He says, it's over for me. All these prisoners are going to get out of here. I might as well kill myself. Paul says, no, we're all here. Do yourself no harm. And then he asked this question. What question did he ask? Does anybody remember? What must I do to be saved? Paul told him what? Does anybody remember the answer to the question? Yeah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be. Saved you and your household. And then we see as we go down to, uh, let's see, verse, um, verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately... 
he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Confession. It is a confession of what they had come to believe. We'll go to the 18th chapter very quickly in Corinth in verse 8. It says there that then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then we go to chapter 22. Well, chapter 19, actually, there's another one if you'll look there. There's uh, some folks here who had already been baptized. They had been baptized according to John's baptism. Paul, talking to them, realized that they did not know about the baptism of Christ or the Holy Spirit. Uh, Rather, he found out they did not know about the Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And then we find in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Chapter 22, verse 16. The Apostle Paul, giving an account of his life, giving an account of his conversion there before the Jews in Jerusalem when he is arrested. And this is what he says that Ananias said to him. This one who came to him after three days of being blind and the scales fell from his eyes. We heard that account in chapter 9. But in verse 15, he says, For you will be his witness to all men who uh, of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. I've belabored this enough, I know. But we see that the name of the Lord is in, often in these We see that they believed on the Lord and then they were baptized. So it is a confession, but we also see it's communion, communion, not communion like the Lord's Supper. But if you look at Romans chapter six, verses three and four, Romans six, three and four, the apostle writes to the Romans, to the church in Rome. And he says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, there's a communion here. A fellowship with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. Because of faith in Christ, that has been applied to our account. Therefore, the waters of baptism physically express that communion that we have with Him. Number three is this, consecration. Romans 1 and Romans 6, 5 through 14. Let's read this. 
And as we read through this, I ask you to consider how does this show consecration? That is, that we are set aside for, that we are um, sacred, that we are dedicated, that our lives are sacred, as in dedicated formally to Christ. Starting at verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For He who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise you also Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, in verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but pre- present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. See the consecration? And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Again, the consecration of ourselves. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And then the last word is this, completion. Completion. What do I mean by completion? Completion meaning the completion of our um, faith, of our conversion, of our change that's taken, that has begun to take place. You look back there to Romans 6 verse 5. He says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of His death. The idea there is that they have been joined to Christ. How did he know they had been joined to Christ? Why did he assume that they had been joined to Christ? Why did he address them as people who have been joined to Christ? It's because, having believed and repented, they were baptized. How do we know who is in the one body? We know the people who are in the one body because they have expressed that in water baptism. That's how the church can know. And that's why when we come to spiritual gifts and using them in the church, that allows us to know who should have a gift and who should not. And who should be using their gift and who should not because of that confession of faith. There's two questions at the, in these uh, verses that I've read to you that stand out to me when we think about baptism. 
The first one is found in Acts 8.36. You don't need to turn there. But it's what the Ethiopian eunuch said. He said, what hinders me from being baptized? I ask you that every time we have a baptism. And that's the question every person ought to ask themselves if you've not believed in Christ and confessed that publicly. You should ask yourself and you should be asking, what hinders me? What's keeping me from doing it? That's one question. The second one is this. It's found in Acts twenty-two, sixteen, And Ananias said it to, to Saul. He said, and now... Why are you waiting? And then he said, arise and be baptized. I mean, is it because you're unsure? What are you unsure of? Are you unsure of the death of Jesus? You think it didn't happen? Are you unsure of the burial of Jesus? You you don't know if it happened? Are you unsure of the resurrection of Jesus? You're just not sure if that happened or not? Hey, if that's your case, then I'd say do not be baptized. Are you unsure if you believe it? Are you unsure if you are a sinner? You see, if you, if you say, I know I'm a sinner, I know He died, I know He was buried, I know He rose again on the third day, and I believe that that is the only way that I can be saved, then I ask you, why are you waiting? And you should ask yourself, what hinders me? Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for your word uh, and Father for uh, water baptism that you've given to the church. Uh, Lord, I thank you for these today who have uh, obeyed your word in that. And Father, I pray for those who are contemplating uh, that and I ask you, Lord, that they would just obey you. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing among us and how the gospel saves sinners. And that's us. That's us. We have nothing to offer of ourselves. We only have Jesus. And uh, Lord, I praise you for the gospel of Christ that saves us. It's in his name I pray. Amen.